This week on TSR, we're planning for an Infinity War. What the hell went wrong with Universal FanCon? Star Wars Resistance. And we talk about space! All that and more on this episode of TSR. It's TSR episode 188, uh, recording this on Friday, April 27th, 2018. I'm Brian, and with me as always is Nancy. Hi, I'm just Nancy now. My wife. I'm not your wife. wife, Nancy. What happened? Use that structured intro since we reformatted. I know, but you you can't just say your co-host. I feel like I've been demoted. Oh... You have never. My wife, Nancy, everyone. There you go. Thank you. Hi. (laughs) Hi, hi. Uh, How are you, Nancy? I am good. I'm trying not to be tired. (laughs) And and why why are you worried about being tired? Because it's now 740 as we are recording this podcast on a Friday night, and we are going to see Infinity War in three hours, and I am probably gonna fall asleep during the movie because i am an old lady who goes to bed early and I, gets tired easily and meanwhile i'm already stocking up on coke zero in my system i had coke at lunch which i usually don't but uh i needed some caffeine and i will get more caffeine during the movie but not too much because it's like two hours and 15 minutes long so at least i know i can go to sleep Whatever, or not go to sleep. I mean, I can't go to sleep when Tony Stark's on screen, but I can also go pee when Tony Stark's on screen. <laughs> Nancy's uh, thoughts on Tony Stark, everybody. I can pee or sleep. <laughs> Hopefully not at the same time. <laughs> uh, okay, yes, we are going to see Infinity War tonight. Uh, we did not get to see it uh, on premiere day because we were busy getting haircuts. Aren't we exciting? Yeah, I mean, also we didn't, you know buy them so they were all sold out by the time i looked yeah yeah uh but yes and we um watched some movies to prepare for it we we did uh, which ones did we uh, hit up i mean we didn't do as complete a marvel rewatch <laughs> well, as many of our friends did we had a 10 movie list we got uh, the, what three of them hold on I'm, I'm bringing it up now um we got two five of them did we watched we? avengers First Guardians, Civil War, Second Guardians, and Ragnarok. We didn't watch Age of Ultron because I couldn't find it streaming anywhere. Uh, and then we have never watched Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, or Homecoming. Whoops. Yeah. Oops. So yeah, I think, no, we we had nine on our list. So yeah, we... Uh, we got to more than I thought we did. We did. That's yeah, good. It was good. I'm I'm glad we watched the first Guardians again because it had a lot that <laughs> I think will be necessary uh, for Infinity War. And also it had, uh, uh, I'm glad we watched Civil War again, even though I don't really like that movie. It also had a lot I think we're going to need tonight. Yeah. That's 
Yeah, I still don't like Civil War. <laughs> We're like there the is other a people. really great Captain America short film inside of Iron Man Four: Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wish they could have expanded that out Ugh. to be its own film. Ugh, you mean yeah, whatever. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. So Infinity War tonight. Yes. Depending on how we're feeling tomorrow, we might do a little 30-minute review. Or we can just do it next week as part of our podcast next week. True. True. Yeah. yeah. We'll see so, how we're feeling. Yes. So I, I, I'm I, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be it's going to be good. Been up yeah. to anything else exciting, Nancy? Um, well, writing? Writing. Reading. Just- reading the Vore game, which we'll be recording on Monday for the Vorcosacast. Uh, have I been doing anything else that I should tell you about? I, I, I don't know. You tell oh, me. Oh, we hung out with a uh, friend of the show, Megan, blog full of words on who, Twitter. Yeah, who you can hear on, on the Western. Vaughn, on Western Reaches in the Vaughn cast. Yes. She was in town and we hung out with her and that was fun. It was. Yes. We've had like a month straight where we've had visitors every weekend. Yes. And we're going to your mom's tomorrow, so yeah. we're still not at home by ourselves doing nothing for a weekend. Yeah. So what Maybe have, next weekend. What have you been doing? <laughs> You? I've been uh I've been working on some tabletop stuff. I've got um I have something tentatively cooked up for the next episode of Dice and Droids, which we're recording uh in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. This is either the best idea I've ever had or the worst idea, but I can't say what it is here <sighs> because my players will hear it. Yes. So including me. Including you. Yeah. So you will just have to listen to of Dice and Droids and mm-hmm. figure out what that is. Yes. Exciting <laughs> stuff. I did roll up a character sheet today for a uh, Dungeons and Dragons campaign I'm doing. Yay. Uh, I am going to be playing a half-elf bard. <laughs> okay. Named uh, Rivner. <laughs> okay. And uh, this half-elf bard will be repurposing Billy Joel and uh, Peter Gabriel lyrics for uh, bardic inspiration. Because you are you. Because I am me. And also, my Gia, my uh, dungeon master, likes the idea. Yeah. So, yes, that's what I've been up to. Mm, Yes. Shall we uh, head on over to the Star Wars corner? Uh, Yes, we should head over to the Star Wars corner. All right. So it came, it left, and then it came back, and it's leaving again on Monday. Is it back now? It's back now. Oh, good. I can have you play it. Yes, uh, Ewok Hunt, a game mode they should make permanent. Um, I, I've it's played, terrifying, I've and I haven't even played it. I've played a couple games, and yeah, it is actually terrifying to being a being a stormtrooper in the dark while these e. While these murder bears just spring up out of nowhere and jump scare you. So explain what it is for people who don't play Battlefront. So uh, Ewok Hunt is a uh, limited time mode in Battlefront in which you play either a stormtrooper uh, waiting for extraction off of Endor or an Ewok looking to murder those stormtroopers and most likely eat them. Um, So... You start out as a stormtrooper, and your whole, your only goal is to survive and get extracted at the end of the game. Uh, if just one stormtrooper gets out, the stormtroopers win. If all the stormtroopers are murdered, the Ewoks win. Uh, it sounds simple, but where it's a lot of fun and just terrifying is that the map is super dark, 
and you cannot see these murder bears coming for you. <laughs> That's terrifying. It it is. It is it is really scary. And like there's the e the Ewok horns in the distance that are <laughs> I, I've boop, boop, boop. they've never scared me as much as they do now. <laughs> um but yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun mode. I really wish they would just make it a permanent feature uh, in the game. I I mean, I've heard so many people talking about it. It seems like I I mean I I don't know how games are made, so I'm not the person to say this, but like I I can't imagine it costs that. Like if the module is already there, why not just leave it there? No, I, I have no idea. I I hope that they eventually decide to just leave it there but we'll see uh hey solo is done with post-production according to uh, ron howard yes they're done yay just in time i mean they still got a month left i know i, I, I don't know where i'm going with that uh but yeah we're less than a month away post-production is done and, oh, and uh, uh clint howard's in the movie yes ron howard tweeted a picture or screenshot when they were doing i mean Sound mixing. I know that was the most pressing question I had. I yeah. I mean, I mean it's I'm, important. I'm not kidding either. That was the most pressing question I had. What's Clint Howard doing in he this? Looks like some sort of like scoundrel type person. Yeah, yeah. So. He looked a little like uh, the old images of Card that Tim Zahn played. No, Card was no. He was way more like suave. This guy looks like run down. Like he's. Okay. Been through the ringer. <laughs> but okay. he has the long hair. So, um, and this is really cool news. Uh, Victoria Mahoney was uh, hired to direct the second unit for episode nine. And she, I believe she came recommended by Ava DuVernay and uh, to J.J. Abrams. And so this is the first uh, woman directing a Star Wars movie. Um We've, I think there's been women involved in like a, assistant a, as assistants, but um, this is the first time a woman has actually held a directing role. Um, and there are some interesting threads on Twitter discussing what a second unit director actually does. And they, they're responsible for a lot of the action stuff and like, um, uh, I can't, I can't remember now, but they there was some interesting stuff about what what they actually do. So um, it's really exciting. And hopefully, you know, she'll do well and perhaps get to direct a feed, a have main directing roles and perhaps maybe do a different, maybe have more women directing Star Wars movies, especially considering one of the news things we're going to talk about. Next. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to that. It's we about will, time. We will circle back to that yes uh i and uh hey yesterday you know just random, random out of new, the blue random news drop i mean no big deal new animated series coming this fall called star wars resistance what now i'm not surprised there's a new animated series in the works i was surprised that it's coming out this fall and i don't know about you but because i i was not i i i thought they would be you know that they, because I remember Pablo saying something like about how uh, they, someone asked him like, "Would we? When are we going to find out about the next animated series?" And they were like, "Sell." He said something like, "Celebration sounds like a good time." So I think people were assuming that we weren't going to get another show for a while. Well, I didn't even, even apart from that, I didn't think that 
there would be less than a year gap yeah between shows oh you didn't no i thought i thought it was gonna be longer i thought there was gonna be at least a year oh right right sorry less than a year gap oh see i thought that was gonna be longer i don't know why i just i thought well no i'm I'm agreeing with you oh i i didn't think that or i i didn't think um i didn't think they would announce another animated show so soon so soon with less uh, with less than a year happening since the last one ended right okay yes so we are in agreement yes okay we are (laughs) but yes um so what's the important part about resistance brian uh resistance is going to be about a about a uh, recon pilot oh pilots pilot 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 we need a pilot this show's gonna be about a pilot (laughs) we need a pilot yes um the, the uh, I'm sure you've all read the article, but StarWars.com has an article this fall. Welcome to the resistance. Uh, StarWars.com is thrilled to announce that production has begun on Star Wars Resistance, an exciting new animated adventure series about Kazuto Ziono, a young pilot recruited by the resistance and tasked with a top secret mission to spy on the growing threat of the First Order. It will premiere this fall on Disney Channel in the U.S. and thereafter on Disney XD and around the world. Um, I, actually, I saw discussion on Twitter from Tracy Canobio about saying that it will air on all of the Disney channels. So it will air on Disney Channel and then it will air on Disney XD and then it will air on, I guess, whatever their channel is. Freeform? No, no, it's it's a Disney Disney something. Okay. Uh, but yeah, because people were wondering, is it on Disney XD? Is it on the regular Disney Channel? So apparently, the answer is yes. It's on all of them, which is good. So, How's I that I mean, I may be out of tune with how Disney properties. Uh, well, I guess like it's, pr- it's the first the first place it will air will be on Disney Channel like that will be the premiere oh and then it kind of goes into syndication yeah. on it like XD yeah okay. I guess it's just trying to get the most eyes on it which makes sense yeah um, but that's also good because I think it will get better ratings on Disney Channel uh, also yeah. it's kind of weird because the streaming service is coming out in 2019 so I wonder how that I'm guessing this is not going to be on that um, but uh, I I am excited and uh Continuing on, it says the featuring the high flying adventure that audiences of all ages have come to expect from Star Wars, Star Wars Resistance, set in the time period prior to Star Wars The Force Awakens, will feature the beloved droid BBH alongside ace pilots, colorful new characters, and appearances by fan favorites including Poe Dameron and Captain Phasma, voiced by actors. Oscar Isaac and Gwendolyn Christie, respectively. Oh, uh, yes! I wish they hadn't put that respectively because they could have said Gwendolyn Christie is voicing Poe. Oscar Isaac is voicing Phasma. That would have been an interesting twist. Oh, uh, that's great. <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, the series was created by renowned Lucasfilm Animation veteran Dave Filoni, executive produced by Athena Portillo, Justin Ridge, and Brandon Allman. 
and art directed by Amy Beth Christensen. The idea for Star Wars Resistance came out of my interest in World War II aircraft and fighter pilots, said Filoni. My grandfather was a pilot and my uncle flew and restored planes, so that's been a big influence on me. There's a long history of speed ra- high-speed racing in Star Wars, and I think we've captured that sense of excitement in an anime-inspired style, which is something the entire team has been wanting to do for a long time. Blah, 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 blah. In addition to Isaac and Christy, the voice cast includes actors Christopher Sean, Susie McGrath, Scott Lawrence, Myrna Velasco, Josh Brenner, Donald Faison, Bobby Moynihan, Jim Rash, and Rachel Butera. First off, congrats, Donald Faison, for finally getting yourself <laughs> into a Star Wars project yes. that will see the light of yes. day. Congratulations, <laughs> my friend. Uh, and Christopher Sean posted a video on his social media that he is the lead character, so I'm assuming he's playing Kazuto, um, which is cool because he is an Asian actor, so... Uh, that's that's cool. Hopefully, I'm assuming the character will also be Asian. Um, so yeah, and uh, several several women, which is women cool. of color, no less. Yes, uh, Bobby Moynihan, <laughs> who, who who was last seen in a Starkiller base. <laughs> Matt straight up sucks. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm I'm excited. I mean, I I was I was freaking out on Twitter yesterday because pilots like this is what we've been wanting, and this I'm, is what we wanted. Rebels. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, I didn't. I wanted rebels to be about the formation of the rebellion and that. Um, but like, I've wanted a show like about pilots, about a squadron for so long, like. We we ha- you have Red Squadron and Gold Squadron at the Battle of Yavin. You have Rogue Squadron at the Battle of Hoth, and then you have all of the the you know the whole group at Endor. But you haven't. We've never really followed a squadron. Mm-hmm. Like I guess the closest you would say would be the Battle of Hoth, but you're not really with them. Like, they're just there to fight the battle. Yeah. We know them because we read the books. But, like, if you've read the books or played the games, like, the whole, like, being part of a squadron thing is a big part of Star Wars. And it's very cool to see that, like, in... It would be cool to see that in a show. And I'm very interested to see, like, if the the main character Kazuda is part of the squadron i'm assuming the way that it's worded that he's going to be recruited into the resistance so he'll start maybe in the republic um and then go to the resistance or maybe just the resistance finds him and he just joins the resistance right away uh first order kills his family and he joins the resistance who knows that sort of thing is known to happen in star wars could be one of those race pilots like greer Sunell was oh that would be interesting yeah that would be a cool character to bring in greer i and then and then of course everyone is thinking who can they bring in uh and you know you've got uh a lot of people were speculating maybe sloan can finally get on a tv uh, show finally um Obviously, a phasma there, you know, it begs the question who else from the First Order will be there, if any? Like, will we see Hux? Will we see his father, Hux? Um, that would be interesting if they could get Brendel onto the show. Um, but we don't really know exactly when when this is taking place. 
how soon how soon before the force awakens you know um because that that's the real question is how how close to the force awakens will this be yeah because that will do a lot of what the stories can tell what Mm -hmm. stories they can tell or not um and i know there's one character that you and i would both really really like to see in the resistance and who might that be? You know who I'm talking about. Does it begin with an A? Yes. I would love to see uh, Wedge make his way into this. Uh, I mean, he was in Rebels. He was in Rebels. He's, he, we've used him before. If they get Gary Whitted to write another episode, he can bring Wedge Admiral Antilles back. Mm-hmm. They haven't they haven't marked down where he is at this <laughs> time. Uh, I would I would I would settle for him being in in the show and not instead of episode nine. I mean, I still want him in episode nine, but I would also this would of, also yeah. make me happy. And and I hope like because it's about pilots, I hope we get to see a lot of the pilots like Jess and Snap, um, and maybe even some of the pilots from the Poe comic or. Um, Tat like tally like the people we didn't <laughs> who died in Last Jedi like maybe we can get to see more of her in the show. So um, I, I've got this thought of Snap is a recurring character on this show, mm. and every time you see him, he's working on this B one battle oh, droid. Oh, that's sad. Just kind of going through old uh, B one scrappy mm. finds to rebuild Mister Bones. Oh. I mean, it would make sense for him to be here because if it's about, like, pilots who are, um, you know, spying on the threat of the First Order, Snap was a recon pilot. So that would make sense. And um, there's uh, Before the Awakening, the Poe section has a bit about, like, Poe, they're basically going to get information on the First Order. So I'm imagining this this show is going to be similar to that. Yeah. I am very excited hesitant i mean not hesitantly i'm very excited i'm trying to temper my expectations i mean i i'm super excited for the show there are some things i do have reservations about like when they say anime inspired mm-hmm. like on the one hand i'm excited because that impl- strongly implies hand-drawn yeah uh does hand-drawn sorry to break in does hand-drawn animation take less time than computer not necessarily no no. see i'm just curious i'm just curious because of the way they wrote that they wrote um they said it's started production yeah but it's go it's premiering this fall so i would imagine it's been in production for a long it's probably been in production it's probably been in production before rebels so it's just weirded weirded weirdly um but yeah go ahead i I'm excited that it strongly implies hand-drawn animation, which is something visually I do prefer mm-hmm. from uh, television. Um, I am a little worried that they dis- deliberately use the words anime-inspired, because I do think Dave has a little bit of a tendency to appropriate <laughs> um, yeah. certain Asian themes and ideas. And it's sometimes not all that graceful when he does it. Yeah. I, I can't really judge because I haven't watched Avatar or or Korra or anything anything else he's done. I mean, other I'm just than talking Clone Wars I'm just talking about his Clone Wars and Rebels uh, body of work. Yeah. 
I am I am glad at least if they're if they say they're doing something that's quote unquote anime inspired that they do seem to have an Asian uh, protagonist at least. Yes, I <laughs> do hope the writers room re- reflects this yes. inspiration that they're using though because um if they are if they mean this if they mean anime inspired they had best have that reflected in the writing staff and the art staff. Agreed. I mean, yeah, they can do a lot of stuff in the writing room compared to Rebels. I think they only had one writer for the entire four seasons, and she wrote really great episodes, so mm-hmm. I would like to have her back, please, Nicole Dubuk. She wrote good episodes. Yeah, now, something I, something you noticed yesterday is that mm. Dave Filoni is not listed as the executive producer on this. Right. He is just credited as a creator, so I'm imagining he's got a bunch to do with the show as a creator, but, um, you know, it's his his new role is basically supervisor of all animation. So I'm I am assuming he has something else that he's I mean, he's got several shows that he's working on besides this. Um, meanwhile, the there are other executive producers. So I don't know exactly how that works with their process. But I mean, there's stuff I like about Dave. There's stuff I don't like about Dave. I'm I'm I'm. I'm optimistic because there's, you know, seems to be some different people yeah. controlling or yeah, running and, the show. I, and I'm hoping that the different EPs and the sort of different folks sort of at the helm of this means that this is going to be a cleaner break yeah. from stuff Dave has done in the past. Yeah, there's a really good article on Den of Geek that um, uh, Megan, aforementioned Megan, wrote um, about resistance and talking about like what it could who could be in it um obviously you know i think i think the biggest um i think the most likely people to be brought in from rebels would be hera um and probably her child whatever you think about that but i mean i think it would make sense for hera to be involved in a show about pilots (laughs) Mm -hmm. even if she's in just like the role of the trainer which i think would be awesome mm-hmm. like if it turns out like so if they it, are actually setting up Hera as a trainer in the afro comics they are they yes oh she is in charge of a base that, i mean that would make sense because if she is having if she's pregnant we don't know when exactly she has this child but if she has a child that would make sense that she is a trainer and Sort of uh, based on the art, she's already had the child. Uh, okay, um, but, but she's yeah, in charge right. of a she's in charge of a base that is responsible for training uh, volunteers. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that would be. I mean, I I agree with you. I do want to see like a clean break, but I wouldn't mind bringing in a character like Hera to have like as the trainer. Like, yeah. I think that would be a See, good... See, this is where the, one of those continuity nods yeah. makes sense and doesn't feel forced. Right. Even someone like Sabine, like, to give them like, training on hand-to-hand combat and, or like Zeb to like, like I can imagine that they have been involved with, you know, fighting the rebellion, and so... They might want to come back and fight the resistance, but um, I think if they get into the force stuff and that that is where it's going to get really tricky. I think if this is all just an excuse to uh, do the whole 
Sabine and Ahsoka find Ezra thing. Yeah. I mean, because, and it, and I'm not saying that just because I don't want to see it. I'm saying that because that needs its own show. It does or it need, ne- it's a book or comic it or It does need, need its own show. But if you do that, you are immediately drastically lowering how accessible right. this is to a new audience. And I mean, like, I think, I, I mean, I think that story should be told, like, and it, you know, not for me, but there are a ton of people who are invested in it. And I, I, I think it would, you know, I think it's a story that should be told. But, um, like, I, it, it, it doesn't seem to fit here. Just like. This resistance needs to be its own thing. Right. And that show, need, and that, that, that plot line deserves to be its own plot line. Yeah. Like, as much as I loved Ahsoka being fulcrum, I feel like she didn't get the storyline she deserved because the show wasn't about her, mm-hmm. you know, and that's sort of what I feel like. Um, but yeah. And um, Megan goes on to say in the article, you know, that um, drawing too much from other sources can make a show feel thin um, though. And the main story of rebels sometimes lacked weight in part because it had to fight for space with the ongoing stories connect to the clone wars. Resistance is a chance to tell sequel trilogy stories from a new point of view character, unburdened for the most part by the interconnectivity of the prequel and original trilogies. The unexplored time gap between the Return of the Jedi and the sequel era would allow Filoni to really build something new as the story leads up to The Force Awakens itself, a pretty vague movie. Yeah. And I think I that's I I agree with that one hundred percent. They can do a lot of world building. Yeah. Um, but they can also tell their own story. I I really hope that Rebels gave the animation team the closure they needed mm-hmm. from the Clone Wars so they feel less compelled to just yeah. keep weaving these and I mean, 10, 15-year-old threads through. And I mean, I understand, like, they didn't, I, I, you know, they didn't get to end it. I mean, they did end it the way they wanted to because they knew it was ending, but it wasn't like Rebels where they said, okay, we're going to end now. Um and I'm imagining if they had ended Clone Wars a different way, Rebels probably would have been different. But um, for whatever it is, I am excited. I am eager to learn more about the characters. And I hope they do what they did with Rebels and like announce a different character every day. That was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- well, there's one, two, three... Four, five, six, seven, eight. There's nine people announced in the press release, in addition to Oscar Isaac and Gwendolyn Christie. Yeah. So I'm wondering, are they going to be the squadron slash support group? Are they all the squadron? And there's three more people they haven't announced. Um, you know, is it how how's it gonna work <laughs> yeah um or are, are we gonna have a squadron of like six and then three people are first order people you know and of course then i go what legends characters can they bring in here and i'm like talon card <laughs> <laughs> face loran <laughs> yes listen i am they're here spies that. what if their call sign are wraith if they are wraith group that would make me so so very happy i mean they were specters and the ghost it's not that far off someone tell dave filoni about race squadron Tim, i'm sure dave Tim, no- 
Tim Zahn. Still. I, I'm sure Dave knows all about Wraith Group. <laughs> so, yes. Anyway, Rebel Resistance. <laughs> Rebels. Resistance. We're very excited for it. We are excited. I hope it. I hope I hope for good pilots. Mm-hmm. And they talk about Luke Skywalker a lot. Ah, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Cannot wait. Random question, because yes. I have not been keeping up with the Poe comics, even though I should. Does Driss Pava ever fangirl over people in the comics, or is that just a thing that was in the Weapon of a Jedi? I think that was just in Weapon uh, of a Jedi. Well, it's still my favorite thing about her. <laughs> <laughs> she is definitely a nerd when it comes to Starfighter mechanics, though, mm. which is great. Uh, Jim Rash, by the way, is totally going to play a droid. Who? Jim Rash. I don't know who that is. Uh, okay. Friends finale. The guy who was freaking out about the phalange on the plane. I Okay. I mean, I know that reference, but I can't picture that guy's face. Uh, uh, go I, look I, I'm, look, I'm looking at Jim Rash. He was the principal on Community. Oh, that guy. Yeah. What was... Yeah, what other stuff has he been in? Uh, Community is the big one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm looking it up now. Blah, uh, blah, 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 blah. This is what I say when I'm looking at things. I I don't know if I've seen him. I mean, he's in a, he's in a ton of stuff. Captain Captain America Civil War MIT liaison. Yep. <laughs> Maybe that's why he looks familiar cuz we just saw that. Um okay, I haven't watched Community so but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, he's a, He's in a ton of stuff. Yeah, he was Dean Pelton in Community. Uh he is definitely going to play a droid. I will Why do you wager think he's that? a droid? Why? Um You'll just have to watch just some community clips, and then you'll see. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, we need a droid. And, yeah, total protocol droid. And we haven't talked about BB-8. BB-8's going to be in this. I'm so excited. Aw, yay. Yes. Uh, yay. Okay. Resistance. Yes. I'm sure we'll have more to talk about on that soon. Of course. Uh, hey, news and other stuff we've been doing. Uh, Universal FanCon imploded. Yeah, uh, it should have been happening right now, but it's not. Uh, so Universal FanCon was supposed to be happening this weekend in Baltimore, and it was a, f- a convention run by fans based on the ideas of diversity and inclusion and giving voices to marginalized groups, you know, a a good idea, you know. It had a Kickstarter, crowdfunded, raised money. Um, and then, like, last week, the week before the con, um, Kotel started canceling rooms, and then an email went out to the Kickstarter backers saying, uh, we're indefinitely postponing Universal FanCon. Uh, and then the internet kind of went crazy because people were wondering what the hell was going on. Universal FanCon did not do a good job of disseminating information. Um, there are some really good articles about what happened with Universal FanCon. Um, and uh, yeah, it just seems like a crazy thing. Uh, I don't really know what else to say about it other than... <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a masterclass in how not to run a convention and how not to do PR. Yeah. Um. Uh, every time they've spoken up, they've found the worst possible thing to say. Yeah. Um, 
it really looks like money was badly managed and they let scope creep get in and were yeah. targeting completely insane unrealistic goals yeah. for their first convention yeah apparently it was you know bad management seemed like it was bad money management and just they were like, gunning for i think eighteen thousand people the first time ever yeah and, and there's a lot of people who said you know you don't do that the first year of a convention like penny arcade had what 3500 people yeah, 3500 people their first their first go and when was their first con do you know <sighs> your first con was 15 years ago i think i mean so yeah it was it's it's been a while but like now they're huge and i don't like i imagine they didn't come huge right away like no, we it just, was a slow burn to get to where they are now we went to awesome con it's the seventh year running and it's really big for a con that's only seven years old but i know like the first few years they they did not have a lot of people the first year they didn't have a lot i know the second year they had some problems that were probably attributed to growth but they did very well at listening to attendees and i imagine they had you know good organizers but this it just seems like it's just a cluster it's a cluster and nobody's taking responsibility for it. Yeah. And I know. worse, th this was a convention for marginalized groups yeah. and marginalized creators. And the marginalized creators are the one who got hurt hardest by yeah. this. They bought stock for this convention that they now can't get rid of mm -hmm. because there is no convention to get rid of it at. Right. Uh, people are out tons of money and right. it's just radio silence from this convention. It is just... It's inexcusable how badly they have bungled this and how badly they continue to address it. Indeed. <sighs> okay. Time to get my blood pressure down. <laughs> What's next? Uh, this is better news. Um, S.J. Clarkson, who has directed uh, some episodes of The Defenders and I believe like Jessica Jones, um, is in talks to direct the fourth Star Trek film. And she will be the first female motion picture director in the franchise. And this is fantastic news. Um, it is very fantastic news. Uh, she has got some some great genre bona fides um, mm -hmm. and is a great selection for this. And hey, Lucasfilm, if they can do it, just pulling someone out of mostly the TV sphere. Mm hmm. What's the holdup? Yep. 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 Um, I, I mean, like we, we've talked, we've talked about this ad nauseum before about, you know, they got Ryan Johnson who didn't have the biggest resume. Um, he was well known for most known for Breaking Bad and he, he had, he had some feature films. He had some, but, he had some indie, well-received indie films, uh, Brick and uh, Brothers Bloom. Uh, Looper was his first blockbuster-ish yeah. like, film. You know, you see like men who direct blockbusters and you're like, well, what have, what have you done? Um, and like, she seems like definitely the type of director that would be a good fit for a Star Trek movie with the things she's directed. And I am, I mean, Victoria Mah Mahoney, she uh, was recommended by Ava DuVernay uh, 
And I'm assuring there are lots of women like her who are ready and willing to direct Star Wars or a Star Wars TV show, um, which I'm hoping they do when they ever do the live action show mm-hmm. and for Resistance. But yes, um, so, it is it is very much time to put up. They're or falling further behind on this. Yep. Yep. And I will say uh, this is a good sight better than Quentin Tarantino. Yes, <laughs> very much so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and this, in... will, this will get your blood pressure up, Brian. NASA has a new administrator who doesn't have a space or engineering background. Nope. Science or engineering. He's a politician. Jim Burdenstein. He's a politician. Doesn't believe in climate change. This is not good. <laughs> F that noise. Yeah. I, I felt really bad when they were confirming after they voted and they were confirming him and the nasa twitter thread was nasa twitter account was tweeting about it and like welcome to the family and blah 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 which of course they have to do and people are responding to them how about how terrible this was and i felt so bad for the person running the account (laughs) but yeah uh, I, I mean, it's it's exactly what you want. Someone who doesn't have yeah. any kind of a STEM background I mean, running NASA. I under- Fantastic. Yeah. I understand why NASA is a civilian organization and why it's, you know, being administrator of NASA is an appointed position. But I feel like all the other presidents have done a much better job, even the ones I don't like, at um, appointing people who are fit to run NASA, like former astronauts yeah i mean every other president (laughs) even the presidents that i frankly do not like has at least appointed someone who has a resume that wouldn't be tossed at first glance yeah like i okay so i am going to uh look i'm going i'm googling right now a list of administrators for nasa um so let's see let's see go down to the bottom all right so uh Robert Lightfoot was the last one. Uh he Oh, he was acting administrator. Um the last one was Major General Charles Bolden. Um he was a former astronaut. Uh Christopher uh Chris he he was Sir Michael Griffin. Who is he? This is not a good list. Uh Frederick Gregory was a NASA astronaut. Uh, Sean O'Keefe was a, I mean, he was not an astronaut, but he was a, he had a science background. He had a science background. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah. (laughs) I don't know what else to say. (laughs) We have a climate change denying skeptic with no science background running our foremost science agency. <laughs> great. Woo-hoo. Just freaking great. <laughs> yay, space. <laughs> but we do have yay space. We do have yay space. Let's move on before I get angry. Yes. Er, angry er. <laughs> so yes, um we did a really cool thing last weekend. Um, every year, the Cape Canaveral Air Force Station, which is um, near Kennedy Space Center, it is the the Air Force side of the of the uh, Merritt Island um, area where the uh, unmanned rockets are typically launched. Um, 
and they have a fam- friends and family day where you can bring people onto the base and uh, drive around to different facilities. And they have people working there as volunteers to talk about like the different uh, facilities going on. Um, and you can just go and it's from like eight to one. The facilities are open and you just drive yourself around and it's super fun and interesting. Um, I've been to a lot of these sites before, but um, I I will never give up a chance to uh, go there because you don't get to drive. You don't get to go out there if you don't work for Air Force, you know, um, and these are these are the pads that are not part of like the Kennedy Space Center bus tour. So it's you, you're really not out in these places unless you pay for a special tour. Mm. So yeah, and you you had been there before, right? To some I'd, of these, I'd been to some of them before in high school. I think we paid for a uh, a different, or uh, we paid for something a little beyond what you just get at the KSC Vis- Visitor Center. Yeah. Um. So I'd been to a couple of these sites. Yeah. Um. I'm looking through my photos right now to see where we went to. So we started at um the. The Merrill Operations Center, I think, Morrell Operations Center, mm-hmm. which is sort of where they, the Air Force directs all of the launches. Um, so it, it's, you know, basically an office building, um, has the, um, like the control room in there, um, where they do the launches. And then we went to the Complex 26, which was the launch site of Explorer 1, the first satellite. And that was super cool. Um, that was you got to go in the blockhouse. They have like a museum set up there, and the blockhouse is where they use they, where mission control would be. Because um, back in the day, uh, you had to run, run communications and data lines from the launch pad mm-hmm. to the mission control. Yeah, so you could not be that far away. <laughs> so, it, it was crazy. Like you were literally how close to the pad they were. Yes, like. Like you're, it's like a bunker basically, and a missile is going on off outside of it's, it. It's it's a soft baseball toss away. Uh huh. Um, and they had a really good exhibit on uh, women astronauts, which I appreciated a lot. Um, and they had you could go in like the control room. The control room is set oh my, up. Oh like my it god! Was. This, it was this was mind blowing to me. <laughs> Just the age before. The age before microchips and uh, and everything was just being run off of these vacuum tubes and tr- and just thousands of tiny transistors and wires and the everywhere. data tapes, yeah, and the data tapes and <laughs> the whole thing, the whole thing, uh, the entire just building full of computers that had less computing power than your cell phone. Yep, and. Just the archaic way it was set up. And we were sending people to space on this stuff. Yep. It's crazy. Uh, Then we got to go in one of the hangars where they had some, like, rockets restored, um, which was really cool. Um, We, uh, let's see. We went, uh, the lighthouse is near there. We did not go up in the lighthouse, but uh, we saw it. Um, we went to Complex 14, which is the site of the Mercury Atlas launches, which were um, 
John Glenn, Scott Carpenter, Wally Shira, and Gordon Cooper. That one was really cool. They have an they have an observation platform uh, at the top of the building that we walked up to. Yeah, and you could see some of the some of the old. Uh, pads mercury at or mercury mercury pads yeah um, well because that's what it was yeah. the pad is there we we you went up on top of the blockhouse and then the and pad is off in the distance further further off in the distance um was is uh the landing pad space for a- spacex yeah spacex uses for uh the first stage returns mm-hmm. that uh, are land that are on land as opposed to out at sea on the which barge. we got to see yes. some coming back which was cool um, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. We we went up on the roof, and actually, uh, it was kind of rainy that day, and so you could see this. It's literally the right near the ocean. Yeah. So you can hear the ocean there when you're there, and um, the uh, you can the rain. You, the pictures I have have the rain coming in, and um, we we got inside the blockhouse literally right as it started pouring. <laughs> but I have a picture of the door. Um, it's like. Six inch thick steel. Oh, more than that. I would say like at least a foot, maybe I mean, more. This, these places had to be bomb proof yeah. because, well, because they, they they blew up. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was inter- It was really cool to be in to go and see go on. Like and they see had all those. observation periscopes. Yes, in there. So uh, control fo- or uh, the yeah. crew there could. Keep an see. eye on the pad yeah. from inside of the bunker. Yeah, in the um the complex f- the for the uh complex twenty six, there were windows inside the of the blockhouse, um, and they had like how thick the windows were. And in here, I think that one didn't have any windows, so that's why it had the the periscopes. Um, after that, we went to complex thirty four, which was the launch site of the Apollo. Uh, Saturn 1B rockets. Um, they only had one manned mission. It was Apollo 7, but that was where the Apollo 1 fire was. And it's, I've been there before. It's always just very morbid to be there, especially because, like, there's nothing left except for, like, a circular piece of the bottom of the launch pad and then like little pieces of the flame trench that are off in the distance. So it's like, it's like if you ever see like on the internet, they have some of those like abandoned places. Yeah. This was very much one of those abandoned place kind of feels. And even that it's, you know, abandoned place where something terrible happened. It's there was, there's this very unsettling. Yeah hush that kind of falls when you walk up to what is left of this uh launch platform mm-hmm. um and in and in that spot i mean it's not just because three astronauts perish there it's because that is the site that was sort of a fork in the road mm-hmm. for manned space exploration manned space exploration nearly ended, ended there there yeah um I mean, it took uh, it took all sorts of congressional testimony, uh, um, and uh, if you ever uh, if you ever uh, watch from the Earth to the Moon or um, when we left Earth, uh, f- another astronaut, Frank Borman, um, mm-hmm. who headed up a lot of the uh, 
uh, the investigation. Yeah, the investigation yeah. into the Apollo One fire. Yeah, uh, his testimony is was crucial in. Yeah, making sure the space program wasn't shuttered. Yeah, uh, I mean, I feel like that would have been like the worst thing they could have done for those astronauts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, er, the I mean, Gus Grissom has a famous quote that's usually put on like all of his like plaques and uh, uh, and um, so I think I think it's on this. They have a little um, memorial there at the launch site. It's saying, "Oh yeah," and he, he his quote is, "It's on the bottom of this this memorial thing. If we die, we want people to accept it." We're in a risky business, and we hope that if anything happens to us, it will not delay the program. The conquest of space is worth the risk of life. And, like, that's a good quote from any astronaut, but coming from him, it's just so, like, damn. Like, he's speaking to you from beyond the grave saying, don't stop this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah, it's I've been there before. I the last time I was there, it was literally just three of us there. And it was so eerie. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah. And then off in the distance is the Delta Four heavy pad, which is kind of like, you know, an interesting picture because you got a falling apart, you know, barely there launch complex, and then in the background a, you know, Delta Four heavy, and it's kind of like, all right, we we didn't let this stop the program. Yeah. So. So I mean that I, I wish I wish I'd had I'd been more in a frame of mind to actually get a picture like that mm-hmm. with uh, oh, the thirty four. You have one, yeah, with a thirty four pad in the foreground and the Delta four assembly well, building. Yeah, the one of you yeah. taking a picture. Yeah, that. <laughs> the uh, Delta, Delta 4 assembly building uh, there in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, Here's another one. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Um, we we should probably get these pictures posted somewhere. I ha- I tweeted a bunch of them. If you yeah, go back um, from my Twitter account from last yeah, Saturday. Check out the media tab on my Twitter account. I posted some pictures as well. Yeah. Um, I may do it. We can. We should do a post on it. We we should. Yeah, that, <laughs> that would go well with this. We'll probably do a post and yeah, get and all that there. And then I have there. a bunch of pictures and be pointing at a rocket. A la Mark Hamill, the Delta Four Heavy. <laughs> I think it's the last one going up. Yeah. So um, after we left uh, Launch Complex Thirty Four, uh, we went up a service road. Actually, yeah. Um, and they were actually letting us pull over on the side of the service road. Mm-hmm. Uh, square with the uh, Delta Four Heavy assembly building, mm-hmm. and you could actually see this just enormous rocket in this enormous building, um, just being assembled in front of you. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's as close as I've ever been yep. to a rocket that hasn't been fired yet. Yeah. Uh, so that that was very cool to see. Yes. Um, and then the last stop was at this hangar where they had like booths set up and they had food trucks and the bounce house for kids. But the really cool thing was they had a flown crispy SpaceX booster. And this wasn't just any flown crispy landed SpaceX first stage Falcon 9 booster. Mm -hmm. This was the first one that had ever been reused. The first ever liquid-fueled rocket to make 
two launches. Yep. That was really cool. Yes. Um, I've got some picture. I've got some pictures of it. Uh, and yeah, it's crispy. It's carbon scored all over the place. Super crispy. It's great. <laughs> and like I, you're standing next to this historic rocket. It's just there in front of you. Yeah. And it's massive. Yeah. It's and it, they reused it. Like how how is that? How does that work? <laughs> That's what I want to know. How does that work? So and that that was kind of the extent of our day. At the mm-hmm. Cape, uh, I'd love to do it again if it happens next year, and our friend is uh, our friend can invite us again. Yeah. Um, but uh, as we were heading out to get lunch, um, SpaceX pulled another booster in that they'd recovered. Yeah. So that was just sitting at the port, and we drove by it. Yeah, that was cool. Yes, that was very cool. So that was a good day for people who like space things. It was very good. I approve one hundred percent. <laughs> and then we did another sort of spacey thing. We did. On Tuesday, we watched uh it was recommended by one of our patrons, uh Bookish Die, Diana. Um and she Somehow re- I didn't know this was coming out. I knew well she had told me a while ago that they were doing a documentary, but I didn't realize it was out right like so soon. And so we had, you know, put a put a call out on our our Patreon Slack. If you if you uh, subscribe to us on Patreon, or donate we a dollar a month, you get access to the Patreon Slack. Um, and then for five dollars, we do um, every month or every month we kind of say, "Hey, anything you'd like us to talk to us about?" And one of one of the ones that was suggested was Lost in Space, which I actually want to watch, so we'll probably do that next. Um, but then Diana was like, "Oh, you should talk about." Um, Shuck about Mercury 13. I'm like, oh crap, I didn't know that was out yet. Yes, we're going to watch that right away. <laughs> um, so we did. Um, I had read this book. I knew a lot about the Mercury 13 already because of my degree. For those of you who don't know, I have a master's degree in history. My thesis was on women who work at Kennedy Space Center. Um, so I Mercury 13 was one of the books I read as sort of like background info about women in space in general. Um, and I, I have a, I have a copy of it still. Um, so I knew, I knew all about the story. Had you, did you hadn't read the book? Did you, were you aware of the Mercury 13 as a so program concept? I like to consider myself fairly well versed as in amateur knowledge of space history. Amateur space historian. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know about this. What? I, I didn't. failed as your wife, Brian. <laughs> ah. And that's that's entirely on me. We're erased from history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one talks about this when you re- you're reading these stories about the Mercury program. Yeah. Or watching these documentaries about the Mercury program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's sad. It's it's really really sad. It's so for those of you who don't, I mean, I everyone should go watch the documentary, but basically when the Mercury 7 were being selected, the first for first astronauts, they got tested at the Lovelace Clinic in New Mexico. And the director, Dr. Lovelace wanted to do the test with women. So he got 
um, a bunch of woman pilots. And it was basically like a word of mouth sort of thing. Like he got one pilot and then she was like, oh, yeah, I know these women. And they're like, OK, yeah, I know these women. I know. Th-. And they ended up getting I think it was 25 women to take these tests. And then 13 of them passed. Um, and then they went on to a second round of tests and then they were going to go to the third round of tests in Pensacola, Florida. Um, NASA found out what they were doing and told them, no, you have to stop this. Um, they had hearings in Washington um, talking about the possibility of women astronauts. And basically all the men were huge douches, even John Glenn, which mm-hmm. saddens me. And, you know, these women never got the chance to go into space, even though the Russians had launched a woman um and uh it was a very very frustrating documentary to watch um and made me very angry yeah now (laughs) even though i knew the story we still need to record a 30 minute backer cast Mm -hmm. for this month would you like to do that tomorrow morning Uh, and talk about mercury 13 in more detail maybe I maybe I guess you're putting me on the spot, Brian. Well, if if you'd like to do this for Backercast, I mean we can. I mean, it, yeah, I guess. Let's do that. Okay. Okay, so we're gonna talk more <laughs> about uh, Mercury Thirteen on the Backercast. Okay. Uh, I only say that because we are at the hour mark. Oh, okay. Well, I mean like I didn't really have a lot to say else to say. <laughs> well, I think on the back we could talk about this on the backer cast and uh do a little more discussion of the uh, Mercury 13 program and sort of what was going on with the Mercury program uh-huh. at uh, this point or at concurrently at that point in time. Okay. So that'd be fun. Let's do that. All right. Look forward to the look forward to Mercury 13 discussion on the backer cast. Yes. Coming soon. Mhm. All right. So that does it for us. Anything else uh, you want to hit up before we go? Uh, I don't think so. All right. So I'm ready for an. I mean, I'm not ready for an Infinity War because I'm. I need to not fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yep. Infinity War time for us. Mm-hmm. All right, listeners. Thanks for coming out to another episode. Uh, this episode of Tashi Station has been brought to you in part by you, our Patreon subscribers. That's uh, patreon.com slash Tashi Station or uh, head to Tashi-Station.net. Click the Patreon link there. One dollar gets you into the Slack team where you can pitch stuff for us to do uh, and just chat with us um, and uh, help us keep the lights on on this show. Uh, on Twitter, you can find us with the handles Tashi underscore station. That's the official show account. You can find Nancy with Nancy Pants. That's Nancy with an I. You can find me with Lane Winry, L-A-N-E-W-I-N-R-E-E. You can find our columns and news at Tashi-Station.net. Thanks for listening to another episode. Catch you all next time. Bye. TSR is brought to you by you, our Patreon subscribers. Visit patreon.com slash Tashi Station to help us keep the lights on and to get access to our Patreon-exclusive Slack team.